And I don't know, it's like putting it Hey, Faith, what are we doing tonight? Take a guess. Uh, beam me up, Scotty. Two sci-fi. Uh, you're a wizard, Harry. Two fantasy. Bring it a little more in the middle. Uh, may the force be with you? Now nah, you got it. What are we doing tonight? We are doing The Empire Strikes Back right here on the Late Night Fright. <laughs> Welcome to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan, and with me, as always, is my very imperial, my very Sith Lord co-host, Faith. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. To all of you out there, whether you are here in the States, across the pond somewhere, maybe you're a spook specter or an astral being, or Faith, maybe they're a Wookiee with a cookie drinking some blue milk while listening to the show in a galaxy far, far away. We welcome you one and all to the program. We are glad to have you here with us, and we would like a Wookiee cookie. Yes. <laughs> all right, Faith, Sci-Fi Fantasy Villain Month continues here on the show. Please remind our listeners what films we have covered and who the menaces to society are that populate the films we've talked about. We have done Highlander with the Kurgan. Uh, we have done... Star Trek Two, The Wrath of Khan, with Khan <laughs> played played by um, my mind's gonna Ricardo Montalban. I have his last name. I forget his and uh, Clancy Brown played the Kurgan that's right. in Highlander. I would say we have a pretty good villain tonight. I think so. At least that's the word <laughs> on the street. All right, he is portrayed in this film by Scottish actor and bodybuilder David Prowse. He is the imposing figure in the suit. The voice is by Academy Award nominee and self-professed stutterer James Earl Jones. This character made his debut in George Lucas's 1977 masterpiece, Star Wars. It is indeed a masterpiece. He got 12 minutes of screen time. He gets a lot more in tonight's film. His look is inspired by both the Nazis and the Samurai. The American Film Institute ranked him the third best villain of all time behind only Dr. Hannibal Lecter and Norman Bates. Those are two no talents right there. He's the Dark Lord of the Sith. He is back in black faith. Who are we talking about tonight? And while you're at it, tell the people what movie we're talking about. We are talking about, of course, Darth Vader. And we are talking about The Empire Strikes Back. Released on May 21st, 1980, The Empire Strikes Back is the sequel to 1977's Academy Award-nominated mega-hit Star Wars. How big a mega-hit was Star Wars, you might ask? When it was released, it was the highest-grossing film of all time, by a lot. That's in all caps. <laughs> and it is still the number two film of all time when grosses are adjusted for inflation. Checking in with one Point six billion dollars, wow. and I think that's more than the GDP of some small countries. I actually have the numbers. Mm -hmm. If Star Wars was a country, it would rank ninth on the GDP list, coming in between Italy and Canada. Impressive, mm -hmm. most impressive. Not impressive, 
the reviews for Empire upon its release. Really? Yes. Critical reception was divided at the time, but the years have been absolutely kind to it. The Empire Strikes Back is now considered to be one of the greatest sequels ever made. Some would say the greatest sequel ever made. A film many believe surpasses its predecessor, is regarded as possibly the greatest of the Star Wars film series, and like the film that preceded it, is a cultural milestone. We are going to get into that film tonight, but before we do, Faith, the original three Star Wars films occupy a pretty special and some would say sacred space for a lot of people, and they transcend all the demographic lines of race, age, you know, all that jazz. Mm -hmm. People all over the world love these films, and they have loved them for 43 years now at the time of this recording. What do you think, and this this is a difficult question to answer, but let's get our thoughts on this. What do you think is the enduring appeal of Star Wars? I mean, I think it could be a few things. I think, first off, the movies are just so fun. They're just... Yeah. They're so fun. There's a lot in the movies that you have. I mean, you you get your action, you get your kind of darker moments, but there's truth to these movies. There's kind of heart to these movies, I would say. And then a lot of people, I think probably nostalgia maybe kind of plays a part in that. That is, is at this point in time, yeah, yeah, now it is. Um, I have a couple of answers. Uh, This is the Tootsie Roll, Tootsie Pop question. I don't know that there is, you know, an answer to it, but... um, on the surface level, there it's absolutely fun to watch. It is. It's an absolute blast to watch Star Wars. Uh, the characters are a riot. This is what I have written here. The interaction of Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, and Carrie Fisher is amazing. The creatures around them are entertaining and literally have personality. Mm-hmm. The villains <laughs> in this franchise are also iconic. So right. that's on the surface level. But then when you get deeper into it, it taps into the big shared myth uh, that Joseph Campbell talked about, the hero of a thousand faces. We talked about the hero's journey at length during our Silence of the Lambs episode. Mm-hmm. And it's coming up a s- several times. I mean, it's one of those things. It, yeah. It's in, in film and literature. But um, so it, it's rooted in the Joseph Campbell uh, and Carl Jung archetypes. And I've said this before. George Lucas found the archetypes of the archetypes when he wrote Star Wars. But this thing is also rooted in the history of cinema. That's another thing. And it's uh, the serialized nature of it harkens back to the sci-fi classics uh, like Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers and comic books like Tom Tomorrow. I know that influenced George quite a bit. So history of cinema and the look of these things is very familiar. Mm -hmm. Even though it's in a galaxy far, far away, Mm -hmm. it looks very familiar. It doesn't look dated, Mm -hmm. you know. Right. Um, Special effects are amazing. Uh, We when this came out. We had never seen special effects this good before. Yeah, I mean, when, when I think about it now, you don't watch it like thinking that they look outdated at all. You know, no. they still look so fresh and and new. Yeah. Uh, there's a nice cherry on top, too. Uh, there's really good music <laughs> oh, yes. in, in all of these films. And I just want to go back to, to a point you made and to mm-hmm. what I opened with. This is fun to watch. <laughs> it's know. just an absolute riot to watch Star Wars. So... Maybe that's the enduring appeal of it. I don't know. Maybe so. I don't know, but it's it's sticking around, and I don't think it's going anywhere. I don't think so It's still either. going strong. So we are going to get into all of that and more tonight when we get back from the break. Faith, do we have a full pot of coffee? We do. Do we have a movie that dares to ask the question, who is your daddy? <laughs> we do. What time is it, Faith? It's time for the late night fright. We will see you on the other side. Cue the music. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three... 
One, zero, all engine running. Lift off. Listen to them. Children of the night. What music they make. Welcome to prime time, bitch. <laughs> Get away from her, you bitch. I find your lack of faith disturbing. The power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ compels you. Solo rescued the princess, destroyed the Death Star, but their story didn't end there. Now, the creators of the biggest smash hit of all time bring you the next episode in the Star Wars saga, The Empire Strikes Back. Continuing story of our band of heroes, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Han Solo, C-3PO, R2-D2, and Chewbacca. And introducing Lando Calrissian. It's an epic of romance. Of heroes and villains. They cross trackless voids to unknown worlds. A galactic odyssey against oppression. Big, new, sprawling space adventure in the Star Wars saga, The Empire Strikes Back. Coming to your galaxy next summer. I looked like an actor would voice, what do you call it, lip syncing, but there was no lip. So I was lucky. I just watched his his body language, and and um, in the second one, uh, Kirchner, uh, because by now David Prowse knew his voice was not going to be used, so he just sort of threw threw the lines in, and Kirchner gave me a soundtrack with him doing the voice of Darth Vader. Kirchner, Kirchner's voice is like this, and you know, I'm imitating him badly, 
but it was scary as hell. Kirsten was scarier than I could ever be. I remember the, the second, when, when George had a chance to counsel me, uh, he, he said, we don't know what we did right, so let's just try what we did. And, I, and naturally, I wanted to make Darth Vader more interesting, more subtle, you know, more psychologically oriented, and you know, and so he said, no, no. What we're finding out is you got to keep his voice on a very narrow band of inflection because he ain't human, really. So that, that was the answer. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF, Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And here we go. You ready? Mm-hmm. Tonight's film was directed by the legendary journeyman director Irving Kirshner. Kirshner, or Kirsch as he was known, was an instructor of George Lucas when he was at USC. He was known for smaller character-driven movies and originally turned this down because he didn't think anything could be as good as the first film. Do you know what convinced him to direct this movie, Faith? What's that? His agent. His agent hmm. said, are you out of your mind? <laughs> of, course you, of course you need to direct this movie. Exactly. George declined to direct this one because he chose to focus on the special effects end of the production. And he was also busy building his company, Lucasfilm. And for real, the first movie damn near almost killed him. <laughs> it, it, it took that big of a toll on him like he actually was having chest pains and Things like that. And George is a diabetic, and, and he had, had been having problems uh, with production as far back as American Graffiti. Goodness. So he was like, I'm just going to... Yeah, know. I mean, I don't blame him. <laughs> Not at all. No. Not at all. So at this point in the story, we should add that George Lucas financed this movie himself, and he did so for two reasons, to be financially independent from the Hollywood system and to have complete creative control over the movie. And I want to add this. We have uh, uh, iMovie. On, on Macs and any kind of software where you can edit things digitally, uh, if you're able, you're able to make a movie on your own now these days, that's all thanks to George Lucas and Lucasfilm and things that he did and put together in his quest for independence. Mm-hmm. So the world owes George Lucas uh, a tremendous oh, debt absolutely. of gratitude. He, yeah. he has changed the world in more ways than you realize. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was a guy, George is a true artist and he wanted his independence and he wanted complete creative control. So I like that. He is absolutely heroic in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. He is he is a guy who really fought the system. Yeah. And uh, he pulled out of the director's guild after Star Wars because they said, well, when you make the sequel, you have to put the credits at the beginning. He's like, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Stuck to his guns. So, uh, but yeah, he, uh, this, it was a quest. It was a quest for George. He put his own money up for this and got, and got you know, uh, financing to do it and, mm-hmm. and no studio interference so it was a big risk for him and he didn't know if this thing was going to work we're going to talk a little bit about that a lot of things in this movie shouldn't work they they work (laughs) so lee brackett the legendary science fiction writer and sometimes screenwriter was brought in to write a draft based on an outline by george george uh found the writing process pretty tedious he he didn't enjoy writing and uh hated writing star wars the original film and got nominated for an oscar for it so go figure uh (laughs) Uh, Lee Brackett uh, turned in a draft that was pretty close to the movie we have with with a couple of glaring differences. But 
Unfortunately, she never got to rewrite her draft because she passed away from cancer a month after turning it in. And Lucas started working on it and started adding elements. And it was at this time that the I Am Your Father reveal was added, which changed the entire complexion of the series moving forward. And Lawrence Kasdan, the writer of Raiders of the Lost Ark, was brought in to finish the script, along with input from uh, George Kirsch and producer Gary Katz and Lee Brackett. She died. And he left her name on it because he did feel that she had contributed enough to get the writing credit. But because of the royalties for her family, he wanted them to get her royalties from this film. So this is this is the kind of guy Mm -hmm. that George Lucas is. So keep that in mind. Yeah, (laughs) keep that in mind. The Empire Strikes Back takes place three years after the events of Star Wars and finds Sith Lord Darth Vader hunting Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker begins his Jedi training under the tutelage of Master Yoda and rushes off to confront Vader before he is ready, losing a hand in the process and learning the true history of his parentage. Han Solo is encased in carbonite and taken to Jabba the Hutt by the bounty hunter Boba Fett. The film ends on a cliffhanger and neatly sets up the third film in the trilogy, Return of the Jedi. Film stars Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Anthony Daniels, Kenny Baker, David Prowse, the voice of James Earl Jones and introduces audiences to Billy D. Williams as Lando Calrissian, Jeremy Bullock as Boba Fett and Frank Oz as the diminutive but quite wise Jedi Master Yoda. And Alec Guinness also returns as Obi-Wan Kenobi. The Oscar nominated score is by John Williams and features the first appearance of the Imperial March, one of the most recognizable themes in movie history. Additionally, The Empire Strikes Back was selected for preservation in the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress in 2010 for being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. High praise. Yes. Lucas has described the trilogy as a three-act play. The first act introduces the characters. The second act puts them in the worst possible situations imaginable. And the third act is the resolution. I want to focus tonight on this film as a pretty dark piece of cinema <laughs> and a horror film in its own right. So mm-hmm. let's get into it. Faith. What did you think of the second act of the original Star Wars trilogy, The Empire Strikes Back? I really, really, really love this movie. And rewatching it, I focused more on those horror aspects of it. And they are there. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not a very happy movie. You know, no, it's, it's, no, it's, it's not. not a light movie at no, all. No, it's not. Um, which segues nicely into my first point that I want to make. So watching the original Star Wars movie compared to this, it this movie is completely unsettling compared <laughs> to Star Wars. Now, a few years ago, our birthdays are right around the same time. And you asked me, uh, you were nice enough to cook for me one night uh, for my birthday. And you said, what do you want to do? And I said, I really want to watch Star Wars. I'd been jonesing to sit down and watch the original film from start to finish. And we got together and watched the movie. And do you remember that night, how much fun we had watching Mm -hmm. the original Star Wars film? And we were laughing. Harrison Ford comes into the film as Han Solo, and we were laughing. And and then the three of them get together finally, Mm -hmm. and it's a riot. The movie is hysterically funny. I know. And really plays like a screwball comedy in a lot of ways, like from the 30s and 40s lighthearted fun has some serious depth to it though but but it's it's a fun right. it's a fun ride this movie by contrast is so unsettling to watch and i will say this first time i remember seeing it at 4 years old i guess 4 or 5 probably 4 years old it it bothered me yeah. as a child it it really really bothered me i mean really i mean there's not a lot of 
light or hope that you think is going to be in this movie, you know? And, and, and these are uh, space operas. Space operas fall between science fiction and fantasy. So, mm-hmm. so there are some sci-fi elements to it. Obviously, there are fantasy elements to it, but it's not specific to either of those genres. Right. And space opera is what they call it. Space opera is very much in line with fairy tales. And fairy tales, if, if you're out there and you've never read original Grimm's fairy tales, and you like horror movies, you need to go and read these Grimm's fairy tales because they will shock you. I know. They will absolutely <laughs> shock you. We're talking, you know, body horror, you know, is all in, you know, there's one where uh, the lady cuts off the thumbs. Um, yeah. it, it's amazing, you know, and they teach these these morals, you know. Mm-hmm. Star Wars is a fairy tale. It, it opens with Once Upon a Time in a, in a mm-hmm. you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, which is Once Upon a Time, you know. Yeah. And, but uh, uh, this movie's absolutely dark. It's uninviting. Nothing in it is comfortable. The environments in the snow, and then you're in the swamp. That yeah. even Dagobah, you know, which is full of life and things like that, is not inviting. It, can we say something yeah. about Dagobah real quick? Because it made me it made me realize George Lucas must like putting snakes in movies and like torturing his audience. <laughs> yeah, like what's up with that man? I don't Come know. On. Um. But it's very, uh, nothing in this is comfortable. And it's And it's not the same kind of watch as Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And, and dare I say it, it might even be a little more mature mm-hmm. than Star Wars. It's a little more grown up. It's fun. It is fun. It's fun. There, there are, are some fun wonderful elements. humor in this. Yeah. And uh, moments of real emotionality. But mm-hmm. this is a dark, unsettling movie. I and I also, I want to add this too. I have this written down. It's pretty bold because you're coming mm-hmm. off of Star Wars and then you make... This, this movie, <laughs> I agree. this movie, and that's a very Lucas move. And yeah. and my note here is see Temple of Doom. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, Kirshner was right, I think, to turn it down at the beginning, saying nothing could be as good as Star Wars. Well, nothing is going to be as good as Star Wars, but they took it in this completely different direction. And I love that note I had there in the beginning. He was known for directing smaller films, Irving Kirshner, and this really gets into the characters. And I think. Mm-hmm. This is where these characters kind of start to become iconic. Right. You know, we know yeah. who they are from Star Wars, but here they really become. Their identity is more. Yeah, it's fleshed of, out. Yeah. yeah. And really up there on the screen. And, mm-hmm. and uh, it's 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 a joy to watch these characters. And they're, yeah, all, kind, and, they're and, all fleshed. Even Chewbacca is fleshed out. Yeah. And I feel like this is where you start to really root for them or really start to, gra- you know, grasp onto these characters and and really, like I said, root for them. You, want the, you don't want anything to happen to them. <laughs> no, you don't. You know, and I had a question while I was watching this and we don't really have an answer to this, but what was it like in 1980 as a moviegoer going in to see the sequel to Star Wars and you get this, <laughs> you know, because like I said, critical reaction was mixed on it mm-hmm. uh this movie adjusted for inflation is still like the ninth highest grossing it was the biggest movie that year by by a mile so people did go to see it mm-hmm. and uh they showed up for a return of the jedi three years later uh and this is now regarded as possibly the best of that trilogy and the best in the series that must have been a culture shock i know going to see this movie i know you want to see it um I just said this is uh, usually voted the best of the films. What do you think that's about? What do you think the secret is to its, its popularity now? I mean, uh, I guess I can see in a way because it's so different that maybe that's why it stands out so much possibly. You know, I mean, it's not the same as Star Wars. So maybe that's why it's 
regarded and so, you know, so popular because it's so different. It is different. And it's a movie that's really experimental in a lot of ways. And George Lucas, I said earlier, George is a true artist and, and I, and people like to crap all over the prequel trilogy and I don't get it. I don't either. Um, George is a, is really a true artist. He's an avant-garde out there guy. He really is. And he's using this medium of space opera and fantasy to tell this tale. And I think this tale is absolutely beautiful. It has mm-hmm. so many beautiful things. In fact, that's a note I have here, the enduring popularity of this movie, the spiritual aspects of this are, are absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, but this is a movie that doesn't really have a beginning, middle and end. It, it True. just kind of goes, goes yeah. it kind of goes, they front load the action at the beginning and then you get this spiritual journey mm-hmm. in the middle with a chase movie. Mm-hmm. But Luke is, is uh, being lectured to by a Muppet, <laughs> you know, for the majority of the movie. And you're, you're I've, but, I, but you're so like convinced that he's real. Like it's so meaningful. Like, yeah, you're not even looking at it. Like, what yeah. am I watching? We, the word that comes to mind, we talked about this with Richard Donner and Superman, verisimilitude, because they just all completely buy into this. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, and again, here you go. We were talking about things in this movie shouldn't work. There's a two and a half foot Muppet that is the greatest Jedi of all time. That is instructing Luke Skywalker <laughs> in the ways of the Force. Let that sink in because I was trying my best watching this to take a step back from it and watch it empty. You know, like, yeah. like because I can't even tell you how many times I've seen this movie. Um but to like kind of, I was trying to really get to that point where I could watch it I, I honestly, as fresh I as I could. Too. I was too, honestly. And it, and I've done this once or twice with Star Wars. And I've gotten to the point, like this isn't like meditating. You're trying to get to like Nirvana or something, but you know, really just kind of like go, okay, I've never seen this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, let it just happen. You know, in front of me, it's weird. This movie is weird. Star Wars is weird. You got a dog driving the car. You know, it's like the family's off on a vacation. You know, and uh. But it all works. Somehow. It all works. It yeah, all works. And I mean, but there's a two and a half foot Muppet <laughs> instructing Luke in the ways of the Force, and I'm sitting there just as entranced with it Me too. now as I was the first time I saw it when I was a kid. You <laughs> Me know, too. seriously. I mean, it, it's so weird that that's not supposed to work, but somehow it does. <laughs> yeah. So I think I think kind of the weirdness of the movie, the the spiritual aspects really hit home. You know, he's taken uh, it, it never feels like bumper stickers speak to me. Like it's like kernels of truth from all the great religions. You know, mm-hmm. he's called it religion's greatest hits. Um, the reveal at the end, you know, with mm-hmm. Vader, you know, uh, is I want to save. I want to put this question out there. We want to talk about this. Mm-hmm. In, in, at the end of the show, but uh, is that the greatest plot twist of all time? Possibly. You know, <laughs> we'll talk about that at the end. Uh, the other thing, though, that really makes this movie work better than it has any right to be is the cast. Mm-hmm. Is the cast. <laughs> and uh, wh- who was, was anybody sticking out to you? This, I mean, this Harrison girl? Ford. Harrison Ford, Because yeah. really watching this again, every time he opened his mouth, I was, ca- like, I was either laughing or just I was so focused on everything yeah. he was saying. Yeah. So let's give Mark Hamill his due because Mark Hamill is in this movie by himself. Mm-hmm. You don't realize he's in this movie by himself with a, with a Muppet with a yeah. Muppet. <laughs> and he had an earpiece in to where he could hear the dot di- because he couldn't hear the dialogue. So that's an amazing acting performance mm-hmm. from it him really in this is. movie. Uh, especially when you take a step back and you go, he's by himself mm-hmm. and having to time things out. Yeah. You know, I that's know. an amazing performance. But 
Harrison Ford and Han Solo is the breakout character from these movies. He's the most pop. Okay. You want to talk about weird decisions? Mm -hmm. They sideline the most popular character in the franchise for the last 30 minutes of this movie. He's not in it. No, no. They put him in carbonite (laughs) and he's done. He's out. (laughs) There's no Harrison Ford for 30 minutes in this movie. Kind of the same thing he did with Obi-Wan in the, in the original movie when he killed him off. And, uh, you don't know if Han's dead or alive at that, you know, what's going to happen to him at that point. But, uh, Harrison Ford, what is it you think? What do you think it is about the Han Solo character? Because I, again, I've seen this movie, the trilogy, you know, so many times. And I know people out there listening have seen this a lot and you've seen it a lot. What it, cause it's every time I watch it, it's like, Oh my God, I want to be Han Solo. I swear to you. It's just like, they didn't even give him a script. He just walked in on set and just started speaking. <laughs> like, I feel like that's really. You know, we talked about this him. when Connery passed away and Connery kind of uh, inspired sci-fi fantasy villain month, you know, mm-hmm. leading us to, to Highlander. And they said uh, Connery as James Bond and Dr. No, he was like better than the material and he knew it. And Harrison Ford, I always get the, uh, he, he likes Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Or he said it. He mm-hmm. likes Star Wars. You almost get the idea, like, man, I don't need to be here. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right, you want me to do the thing with the thing? All right, I'll do the thing. And he's like, he's become king of the geeks, and it's it's a title he never wanted, you know. <laughs> His performance as Han Solo, and this actually made him a movie star. Mm-hmm. I know, the famous, you know, I love you, I, I know, know, line, you know, is uh, made him a movie star, and he ad-libbed that, which is amazing. And... uh this is where he really becomes the movie star that he became. And uh, this got him Raider. Steven Spielberg's like, yeah, let's put him in, <laughs> in there. No, we can't do that. Let's put Tom Selleck in there. No. It all worked out. There's nothing wrong with Tom Selleck. No, there's nothing wrong, but it, it has to be Harrison Ford. <laughs> Han Solo, man. It, 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 and it's just in the way that... Kasdan and and I and Lucas and Lee Brackett had something that wrote him and he plays him is just amazing. It is. It's just I feel like there's there's nobody like him. Let me ask you a question. Do you think he knows what he's doing? I really don't know. I don't think he does. I don't really think he does either. I don't think he does. But I'll tell you this too. He has a very interesting role in the movie because he is a foil. He actually represents what Anakin Skywalker is going through. Because, you know, and, uh, Han getting encased in carbonite, like Vader in the suit, and mm-hmm. then he comes out a different person, Anakin's going to come out a different person. So he does have story, you know, bigger yeah. story function, but he's a lot of fun to watch. I know. Yeah. All right. So speaking of Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader is our villain of the week. Faith, what is it? Why do we love him so much? What is it about him in this film? He's so intimidating. I mean, is he not? <laughs> He's at his most evil here. He it's is. a nice introduction in Star Wars. Peter Cushing carries for me a lot of the villain load in that film. And Peter Cushing mm-hmm. has some power over Vader mm-hmm. in that movie. And who else could have power over Vader? But maybe the greatest Dr. Frankenstein of all time, <laughs> Peter Cushing and Van Helsing, you know, right. the monster killer mm-hmm. has power over the monster. And, and we're going to talk about Peter Cushing in Star Wars next month when we do mm-hmm. uh, Cushing and Lee month. But he's he's the villain. Here. He, he really is. And, he, and he's, he's off, literally kind of off the chain. And here. I feel like I even noticed when I was watching, you know, uh, like I said, I was trying to watch it, uh, watching it as a horror film. 
And there was that moment where Luke was walking down the hall kind of slowly. He didn't know where he was going to be. And then all of a sudden it's like this Michael Myers thing. Like he just appears out of nowhere. It's like, God. I had the note, the Michael Myers uh, connection, because I made that. I was like, oh, the mask. You can read anything you want on the mask. Uh That mask doesn't move. Right. Yeah. And David Prowse deserves a lot of credit for his mannerisms. Yeah. For for the presence that, that he has in this film. But, um... It, it, oh man, he's like a slasher villain. Mm-hmm. He's chasing them and he won't stop. And he's killing his subordinates with, with, you know. Yeah, and he's already telling them, like, you know, you might as well give up because you can't defeat me. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. You know? And he's, um, he's just so uncomfortable. Like, every time he's on screen, it's uncomfortable. My, my good friend Cade kind of compared him to, uh, he said, kind of reminds me in a way of stuntman mike and uh death proof the way he just you know yeah he's a slasher but you don't realize he's a slasher mm-hmm. kind of thing and uh yeah he is and he is absolutely terrifying <laughs> in the last uh battle i know with with luke skywalker and the moment you're talking about too where he just comes out of nowhere yeah. and he's, that unbridled it's rage just, it's kind of like a jump you know you kind of like oh okay well <laughs> came out of nowhere and he's really going for it there i know yeah Going, going for the knockout as mm-hmm. it is in that fight, and uh, that fight is very disconcerting. The the fight is is as a kid that really bothered me. The fight, the cutting of the hand, yeah. bothered me as a kid because I didn't want anything bad to happen to Luke. Right. You know, and then, but the "I am your father" never bothered me. It, it was it was the, mm-hmm. the the hand bothered me, and and uh, they have said that the hand uh, cutting is symbolic of castration. You know, and the father castrating, so right. you know, keeping him from manhood as it is, and and that is kind of what's what's happening here. Yeah. And uh, what do you think about uh, now? This is part of pop culture now, so I mean, you have to go back, you know, to 1980. But what do you think about the reveal uh, and and the way it it, cha- it does change it the does. complexion of uh, the whole thing? Yeah, I mean, I love the reveal. I think that I don't think it would work any other way. I mean, I think that makes it what it is. And yeah, it's just yeah. I think it's so clever. He he really is kind of demonic in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's he is it's unbridled rage. I know. Is is the word that comes yeah, to rage mind. Is... He's a berserker. He really is a berserker. <laughs> uh do you have a favorite Vader moment in here? Oh goodness. I mean every time he's on screen really. I mean I like when he uh strangles the guy in the view screen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I, I like that moment. And I also like the moment Imperial troops have entered the base and he walks in and he's sh- kind of strutting and he walks between these, it's like two walls, like two pillars are, are coming mm-hmm. down and he walks between them and it's just so cool. You know, <laughs> he's, I really do like the moment he jumped out. I don't know. I just, that moment yeah. kind of sticks out to me for some reason. Yeah. It's just so creepy. It's, it's amazing. Uh, and we do need to talk about the other actor who yes. uh, portrays him. Uh, James Earl Jones, who is a national treasure. He's this amazing guy. Um, the voice, he did this in a day. And he says he's very lucky because he gets to see Star Wars. He he goes in, does his thing, mm-hmm. but he's not part of He doesn't see how the sausage is made. He's right. never on the sets. Mm-hmm. You know, he goes, so he can enjoy it as a, as a right. viewer. And he loves it. <laughs> and he says he's honored to be a part of it. And uh, that voice is so iconic <laughs> and, and and i can't imagine any and god you know god forbid the day he leaves us and if they're still making movies which i hope they're not but uh, if they're still making movies with vader i don't know who they're going to get to replace him but um oh. th- their perfect pairing of of voice with character and and 
you gotta give David Prowse a lot of credit too for, oh, the, yeah. as we said, the physicality and the marrying of of the voices. Mm-hmm. In the movements yeah. together, so both really wonderful performances. I think James Earl Jones is absolutely chilling in his monotone, exactly in, uh, the monotony of his voice. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. no uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like you said, he's monotone, and I feel like that there's not a lot of emotion. No. There is emotion there, but it's not. That's that's it's, what I was going to say. Oh, it's, it's an amazing performance. Yeah, it it really is amazing performance. So uh, we were talking about this. Uh, we have our slasher here. So the horror elements, uh, let's discuss these. I just have some notes here. Planets, settings, situations, imagery. Uh, I'll start with the planets. I mean, I don't know that it's, you know, horrific, but as I said earlier, this is an uninviting film. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a lot of hospitality <laughs> in this film. The the snow in the beginning. Uh, you have the creature. You have, you, have, mm-hmm. you have an abominable snowman, a Yeti <laughs> there at the beginning. Uh could eat our hero mm-hmm. you know you have a uh, but the snow the inviting snow and then you have a uh, you know you have the the swamp of dagobah and and, and creepy crawlies there on dagobah you, know, you have bounty hunters in the, you know, the evil looking creatures you know yep. reptile man mm-hmm. you know uh in it and then uh you know you have the little ugnot pig things in cloud city you know and then of course you, know, you have the 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 duel that is very much like a horror movie with all the steam you know very mm-hmm. kind of steampunk in a way and um I made the point last week. There's so many uh, images of teeth in this movie, mm-hmm. be it from the beast. Uh, you know, you have the uh, the the snake uh, yep. in the asteroid. You have the uh, the doors have the teeth. The Vader's mm-hmm. thing has 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 teeth on it, and I mean that's not a very welcoming image. You know, the teeth kind of kind of chomping down. So it really is horrific. horrific and yeah. if you put yourself in in the shoes, and I was one of these kids, four or five years old, watching this, it is. You know, kind of like certain sounds are difficult for dogs to, mm-hmm. you know, high pitch is like, it's like awful for them. Like this for a kid might not be a nightmare on Elm Street, but this is, you know, like, oh my God. It's like, uncomfortable. I mean. And the bad guys win. Yeah. You know, the good guys limp home, <laughs> wounded, wounded. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's true. I mean, the whole look of this movie is uncomfortable, unsettling. There's really nowhere pleasant. <laughs> There, there's not a lot of levity in it, and there's not moments of joyfulness. Joy, yeah. There's no joy in this movie. Mm-hmm. No, know. there's really not. So, um, not exactly a horror movie, no. but definitely horrific. It's and, definitely darker. I mean, yeah, not like the movie we're going to talk about next week that I think really could classify as a <laughs> horror movie, The Terminator. Um, but definitely, you know, fairy tale. You know, fairy tale darkness, mm-hmm. which. And, you know, the thing about movies in the 80s, the kids' movies had a real dark streak to it. And my buddy Cade wanted me to add to the discussion that he thinks this movie set the template for those darker children's films of the 80s that we got. There were a few of them. Labyrinth, The Dark Crystal, and, you know, uh, Never Ending Story had a lot of darkness to it. That These movies, this movie in particular, set the template mm-hmm. for those movies. And um, what do you think about the darker aspects in a kids' movie? And we've talked about kids movies before and, and, and horror and kids and things of right. that nature. What do you think about the darker aspects in a movie like this for kids? And they are, this is a kids movie. <laughs> it's kind of hard to believe when you think about it really, but I mean, I don't know. I think, uh, I think they have to see it in a way. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, you can't hide. You that better deal them. with it in a healthy way. Right. And this is, these are healthy movies. I think these are healthy movies. Yeah, and, and, and it's not real, so I feel like you can kind of like And not exploitive it. either. And he right. was, 
he talked to child psychologists about the end of the movie with the cutting of the hand and the reveal. Mm -hmm. And child psychologists told George that basically like kids uh, would either uh, uh, think Vader was lying or just accept it wouldn't be a problem. And he said he didn't want to do any damage to anybody, to kids. And again, this is the kind of guy George Lucas is. He wanted to tell the story, but didn't want to do any damage Mm -hmm. to kids. And, you know, I don't think. Yeah, I don't. I don't I'm, it's dark and unsettling, but it's not it's scarring. Not, it's right. not exploitive. It's not gonna cause nightmares. I don't think, or you know. Yeah. Trauma. Right. But I, I think it's important to for kids I to have so the dark too. stories and face these things and know that there there are things I, out there. I, I think a because lot of, they are real. Yeah. And and we see this. Faith and I talk about things, uh, esoteric things. There are things out in this world that you may not see. Not want to believe. And dude. not yes. And I don't want to get into it here, but it's it's all out there. And once you are woken up to these things, kind of like Neo in the Matrix, um, and it's not hard to see them, you cannot unsee it. Mm-hmm. And it's out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the quicker that you are alerted to the true nature of the world, uh, there you go. The better. Yeah, I mean, I feel like so many people try to shield their children from things, you know, to protect them. But I really don't necessarily think it's protecting them to i don't either you know i mean i don't either because when either. the time comes and something does happen they might not know how to technically react you know? right so right say the earlier right. and it better. is in this movie this movie and the series in general uh is all about balance mm-hmm. so you do need the balance mm-hmm. of it uh my next note uh, i have cast uh discussion uh i love billy d williams in this movie uh, I, I think billy d is a great Addition. Apparently, Billy D had trouble with the lines and and led to some comedic stuff with him fumble, uh, kind of fumble dicking around the lines, which I can see because, of course, we're familiar with the movies and can quote them offhand. You got to remember, they're looking at this on a page going, "What the hell is this?" You know, <laughs> right? Uh, Harrison Ford famously told George Lucas, "You can type this shit, but you cannot say it." So. Billy apparently had some trouble with it, not only remembering what was on the page, but not understanding what was on the page. <laughs> I like his presence, though. He has a good smile when he comes into scenes. And- he is the perfect kind of mirror image of Han Solo Han, mm-hmm. and Harrison Ford by by extension. And I love his story function in that he is who Han Solo was mm-hmm. and is not at this point. Right. Cause Han as Lucas, like say has found compassion being around Leia and mm-hmm. Luke. And he's not the smuggler. He was when you meet him in the original right. film, he's changing. Mm-hmm. And what do you think? Now, this is something I've talked about with people. Before. What do you think about Lando? Uh, um, I have always fallen on the side that Lando is doing exactly what he has to do. I don't feel that like he's making a bad choice as much as he's making a practical, logical choice for him. I agree. And Mm -hmm. he is doing the logical thing. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, Mm -hmm. like we talked about with Star Trek Mm 2, because the Empire could totally, you know, annihilate his city and kill all of his people. Right. And so he gives up this guy who he's known for a little while. You know, I don't think he's enjoying doing it. No, but I think that he's making the right decision for the greater good of more people, you know, (laughs) just. And he knows it's rotten. Right. And but then you but see him you turn on the kinda, dime and he and he decides to fight back. Right. But he uh, he knows. Yeah, he knows. He, he's not a bad guy. That's he's just put in no. a very bad tough. Situation. Yeah, that's a tough spot. And Billy, Billy, I think, really plays it really plays oh, it I well. So. Uh, cast member, I don't think gets enough love. He's gotten some love from us on this show. Peter Mayhew as Chewbacca is really wonderful in this movie <laughs> with his with his mannerisms. And Peter really brought 
life to that character. I know. And everybody who is in makeup or suits really performs and at, again, at the top like, of their And again, you don't even level. think about, you know, it's a creature on screen. No, it's a character. It's a, it, I mean, it's yeah. like, it's a real person. Like, <laughs> um, and Yoda, it's amazing looking, as we said, you know, a Muppet. You know, a I two know. and a half foot Muppet. It's, it's really amazing. And I, I believe it. Me too. I'm there. I'm there with it. I'm definitely there with it. We have not talked about Carrie Fisher. We need to talk about Carrie Fisher. Aunt Carrie. (laughs) Aunt Carrie. Uh, Carrie Fisher was a force of nature. I actually cried when Carrie Fisher passed away. It wasn't a big weep, but it was just, oh man, Mm -hmm. I always loved her. Um, She is, you know, she's amazing. She is uh, to this movie what uh, Lois Lane is to the Superman mm-hmm. uh, mythos. She is feminist while feminine, uh, assertive, uh, while still retaining femininity. Yeah, Does that exa- make it makes sense? Complete sense. And uh, I, I think love, she can stand her own, but yeah, but yeah. she's also still like a lady at the same. She doesn't need Han Solo. No. Well, she kind of does in this movie for a ride. She needs the ride, <laughs> but um. Uh, I love the love story between the two of them. I love mm-hmm. Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher together. I think she's the best co-star he's ever had, like mm-hmm. as far as bringing, they they brought something out of each other. And um, I, yeah, I really love her in this movie. And, and she's, uh, she's always fun to watch. I know. You know? She is. And as a kid, I never thought of her as the girl. Do you, does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. I, it was just, oh, she's that's Princess that Leia. She's awesome. Sense. You know? Yeah. And I don't, she's not a damsel in right. distress. There you go. Exactly. Even when she needs saving, she's not the damsel in distress. <laughs> but um, what do you think of the love story? I like the love story, and, and I like it. It's told in increments. It's not. It's not a. You know, I don't you, you're not. You're not bombarded with you know, yeah, yeah sappy romance scenes or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like it. I mean, I think they're an interesting. They're oh, they're great. They're I mean, great. They're a great pair. Yeah, <laughs> great pair. What do you think about the moment? The big moment in this movie, of course, is you know the icon. One of the one of the iconic moments is mm-hmm. "I love you." I know. <laughs> what do you think about? Uh, what do you think about that? that moment i think that kind of i don't know the i know i feel like just represents who they are yeah it's a nice moment like i said you're not bombarded with that kind of stuff so it's a nice little moment to just have right there yeah but it sucks that he's you know yeah what's happening to him yeah the uh the death scene in the movie really (laughs) you know it's 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 interesting uh one final aspect before we go to break and this is Without saying, John Williams is is maybe the greatest film composer of all time. He uh, won an Academy Award for Star Wars. He was nominated for this. This does indeed feature the first appearance of the Imperial March, one of the most iconic pieces of film score That's ever. One of my favorite pieces yeah. ever. Uh, we're gonna get in. I'm gonna want to get into that in just a second. Uh, what do you? I I know the answer to this, but what is it about this score that that is so amazing to you? I mean, besides being iconic and you just get excited hearing it, it just it fits this every movie that he's done, you know, for Star Wars. It just fits so well with every single aspect, whatever's going on. It brings it to life. I feel like a hundred yeah. times more. Yeah. Rooted in classical music mm-hmm. and a uh, full orchestra, the London Symphony Orchestra. Uh, truthfully, my favorite uh, Star Wars leitmotif is in this film. It's the Han and Leia love theme. I love the love theme and it's mm-hmm. a variation on her theme from the original film. And it's absolutely beautiful. But the big winner here is the Imperial March. Let me tell you what is so brilliant about the Imperial March. I'm going to see if, if I can clap and not you know blow everybody's ears out. <laughs> you can clap 
the rhythm of it mm-hmm. with no tonality and people know what it is. exactly what it is. Let me see. All right. You know what that is from me clapping it. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, the the driving nature of that bomb, 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 bomb. Just it's all in the chorus. It's bon, intimidating, two, just three, like four, Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it fits so good. And it's bombastic and silly and mm-hmm. kind of scary. It is. And 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 works in, in a lot of different motifs. It, it, it's, I know. It's, it's a really an amazing score. And he he gets a lot out of the orchestra, and there's some atonality in there, and uh, uh, some some creepy crawly music, and and it's really really a beautiful, wonderful score. And and he's yeah, I couldn't pick. He's one of the greats. He's yeah. one. Of, he's he's maybe the greatest who has ever done this. And this is one of his many many masterpieces. And in true John Williams fashion, and in in great artist fashion, he's humble, and uh, he doesn't think his music is that memorable. He's crazy. <laughs> he is. He is crazy. Gosh. But he does say uh, the Imperial March is his favorite piece of his to conduct. I, I mean, I'm kind of, I mean. Yeah. He loves, he loves conducting I it. love the way that sounds. It's just. Yeah. There's something special about it. Somebody needs to go through and put like a carpenter score to some of this. I think, <laughs> I think it would be interesting to see what Star Wars or Empire would look like with like a carpenter score. That's very interesting. Man, could you imagine the John Carpenter Star Wars movie? Oh, my gosh. You know it'd be amazing. I, I, I was just thinking You know thinking what else? It. Kurt Russell would have been in it. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, we're going to take a very short break. This is a news break, but stay tuned for that because we have a very special interview with one of the stars of this film. He is going to share uh, some of his recollections, if he can recollect them. <laughs> <laughs> on the uh, making of this film, Faith has an exclusive interview with him uh, uh, in just a moment in our in our news break. So you're going to stay tuned for that. And uh, I am Dan, and I'm Faith, and we will see you on the other side. very special presentation here on the news tonight. Faith was lucky enough to score an interview with one of the stars of The Empire Strikes Back, uh, Harrison Ford. Now, Faith, where did you see him? He was he was coming out of the medicinal marijuana store. Okay, for his glaucoma. Huh? Yeah. Is that what he told you? Yeah. <laughs> All <right>. Sure. <laughs> All right, so he uh, he went, what, you sat down and had coffee with him? Or, yeah, or? I, I bought him some coffee. Mm-hmm. Okay. He didn't offer to buy me, so I bought it for him, you know, his... He okay. just left the medicinal marijuana store. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so this is, I haven't heard this, so this is going to be, gonna be yeah. pro- how, how was he? Just wait and see. Everything that you imagine. Yeah. Yes. All right. So uh, sharing some, uh, some, some memories mm-hmm. of the making of The Empire Strikes Back. Here is Harrison Ford, the big HF with our own faith. We'll see you on the other side.
I would just like to say thank you so much for sitting down with me. Yeah, whatever. What was it like being in Star Wars, especially The Empire Strikes Back? I don't know what that is. You know, Star Wars, the movies? You played Han Solo? Yeah, um, yeah I'm, uh, I'm trying to forget. Okay, well, I mean, does anything stick out to you? Um, I remember um, I was really upset. I wanted to do a uh, scene with um, Natalie Portman, and um, it just it never happened. Well, she wasn't in that movie. Yeah, she was. She played uh, Queen Armadillo or Dildo, whatever her name is. Yeah. You, you can go watch it. She's a, she's a I movie. don't think you two were in the same movie. Whatever. Well, look, I can tell that you want to go, so let me ask you one more question. Mm -hmm. What was it like working with Carrie Fisher? It was, um... It was, it was fantastic, really. It was, um... It was a joy. I told her... I told her, uh... Just this morning, how great it was to work with her. That's lovely and all, but, you know, she died a few years ago? No, she didn't. Pretty sure she did. No, she didn't. I talk to her every day. Okay. Um, anything else? Can I go now? Yes, thank you so much for talking to me today. Whatever. I gotta go get stoned. Wow. Wow. He seems to be in pretty good spirits. He's in pretty good spirits now. Better spirits, I should say. It sounds like it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that is all the fake news. Not fit to print. I am Dan. And I am Faith. Stay tuned for your minute of culture. We'll see you on the other side. and I do the entertaining, thank you. Let's go out with something really hot for these folks. A big hit out of 77. A Star Wars Nothing but Star Wars Give me the Star Wars Don't let them end A Star Wars If they should Nutty Star Wars bar Can you forget all the creatures in there? And hey, Darth Vader in that black and evil mask Did he scare you as much as he scared me? Star Wars Goes near in Star Wars My seventh winner up here Star Wars
Welcome back to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF, Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. Great work on that Harrison Ford interview. Yeah, that was that was something else. <laughs> were you were you phased at all being being across the table from I mean, yeah. one of the greatest movie stars of all time? Yeah. I mean But, you know. Yeah. I, I I'm not sure what the whole carry thing was. I mean, we're, I'm not sure. I don't anything he said to be. Honest. I don't think I want to know. I don't, I don't think I want to know. Well, we're going to wrap up our discussion of a film he was really good in, even if he can't if remember he can, being yeah. in it. The Empire Strikes Back with or without Natalie Portman. It's Queen Armadildo, <laughs> apparently. That's yeah. her name, right? That was her name, right? Sure. All right. Well, I'm pretty sure he played Han Solo in this movie. Great flick. Uh, highest recommendation. I'm sure you all out there have seen it and uh, watch it regularly. Yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about the big reveal at the end. I said I wanted to talk about this in the last segment here. Uh, a lot of people think this is the greatest reveal slash twist of all time. I'm not going to argue mm-hmm. with them. Uh, how do you think this compares to the Sixth Sense reveal? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't think it's as. Do you, like, I think those are the two best reveals of all time. I don't think this one's as like whoa, like you know. I don't, yeah, you know, I don't think it's. Although it kind of is because the the, the villain is. is the hero's father, which which becomes really true. I mean, yeah, dark. yeah. I guess my reaction to it personally, yeah. is not as like wow. I mean. It doesn't change the complexion of the entire film before right. it the way the sixth. Sense I think it does. works. For the movie, yeah, like, but yeah, I'd... yeah, it's. It, I, I actually think we just answered the question. They serve different functions, right? In you know, because right. the sixth sense, then you go back into the film and you see it new. Did, and this yeah. moving forward, it, Empire right. moving forward changes Jedi. Exactly. You know? So, uh, I think they're both really well done. I, I, I think it might. This might be the best plot twist of all time. Yeah. I mean, nobody. Because thing is, nobody saw it coming, I don't know. <laughs> and nobody knew about it except for. Irving Kirshner, George Lucas, and then they let Mark Hamill in on it, <laughs> and then they had to let James Earl Jones in on it, mm-hmm. and he said he didn't believe it. So, but uh, it's pretty good. Yeah, pretty so. good little movie. <laughs> pretty good little not, movie. It's not bad for an independent production, is it? <laughs> not at all. <laughs> well, I would love to know uh, if you out there listening think this is the greatest plot twist of all time. You can reach us at late night fright podcast at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you you can also hit us up on the instagram at late night fright podcast and faith is on instagram at i'm a normal alien there you go so we did this last week with con and then uh we kind of reached back into highlander but i want to ask this question do you think there are any redeeming qualities to darth vader in this film in this film, not necessarily. <laughs> I don't think there. I don't think there. I think at the end, one of the great running jokes in this is him killing the officers, and he spares the guy at the end because mm-hmm. he's confused mm-hmm. at that point. And uh, so I think you could say there's room for redemption, and obviously there is in Jedi, but right. in this film, yeah. I don't think there are any redeeming qualities. I don't think so. Yeah. Mm-mm. What do you think about the look of the film? I mean, this is a 40-year-old movie at the time of this recording. It's, huh? it's still so beautiful and yeah. sharp. And I mean, yeah. like I said earlier, even with uh, special effects, nothing looks outdated. No. I mean, at all. <laughs> no, it's not just, at all. It's it's so clean and pretty. and 
Yeah. Uh, this this is this movie, this trill that trilogy is gonna stand the test of time. Oh yeah. It really is. Oh yeah. Yeah. After we've all annihilated each other, it's gonna be cockroaches and Star Wars is gonna be left. <laughs> and Keith Richards. <laughs> Keith Richards, Star Wars and cockroaches is what's gonna be left. It's, I don't know why that's so funny, but it's so true. It, there was a comedian years ago that said that, like, when the nuclear holocaust happened, all. like, cockroaches and Keith Richards were, were going to be. I don't remember who said it, but I remember I was, like, 10 at the time, and I knew who he was, and I thought it was hysterical, you know? I, mean, I saw a bright light. I thought it's where we were playing. <laughs> that sounded more like Spinal Tap than it did Keith it Richards, did. but it doesn't matter. It's all the same all thing. All the same, yeah. No, that's Thought so that's funny. where we were playing. <laughs> it's true. It is. It really. It really is. But Star Wars is going to be awesome. Um, Star Wars. Do you remember? Uh, do you remember a movie called Reign of Fire with Christian Bale and Matthew McConaughey where they were fighting dragons? Do you remember? I this have movie? not seen that. You never seen I've it? Heard of it? There's a scene in that is very charming where they're telling the kids the story of Star Wars and they're actually reenacting the <laughs> uh, the lightsaber fight from Empire Strikes Back. And I think it. I, I, so. After the apocalypse, Star Wars is still going to be told as a as a relevant tale. Yep. So, final question about Star Wars: uh, What do you think about uh, Star Wars as a kind of guide on quote unquote how to live? Yeah, I'm 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 there. I mean, I think that's I think that's all in there. It's deep down. I think there's a lot of stuff in there you can live by yeah you know i mean and and he said george has said that he wanted kids to i i'm forgetting his exact word it just just came to me but but to start thinking about god Mm -hmm. you know not questioning the existence of god no but thinking about god you know and And, that's where i think the yeah the force is yeah and i think i think this movie uh, these movies really do have a deep spiritual oh, yeah. thing to them, and I think that's part of the staying power. Of well, yeah, because I mean, you can take away all of the ships. I don't care about the ships. No, in in reality, it's you know, good versus evil, light versus dark. You know what I mean? And I feel yeah. like, I mean, that's in people. That's an everyday thing. I think it know? is. It is. Uh, these are wonderful films. Um, all all six, all six of the films in the Star Wars canon are are really wonderful films. Mm-hmm. All six of them. I'll, I'll oh, I'm, I know exactly She's what you're saying. She's nodding because she knows. Oh, yeah. I'm not trying to start a fight with anybody out there, but all six, all six of the uh, mm-hmm. Star Wars films are, are just absolutely, absolutely amazing. <laughs> That's all. No, I have one. I have one more quick note. We uh-huh. we didn't really talk about him. Um, Boba Fett. We were talking about how these movies are familiar. Mm-hmm. You know, the look, the dress of the characters. You know, it's familiar. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't look dated in that way. Uh, we were talking about how this goes back in the cinematic history, but Boba Fett is Clint Eastwood mm-hmm. in the man. He's the man with no name. We should have mentioned that. Uh, and uh, his spurs literally jingle and jangle when he walks. When he walks, it sounds like spurs. And that is such a George Lucas concoction. I and I want to add the real hero of this movie is Ben Burt, the sound designer. I was noticing this when I was watching it. The sound design. Of this film and all of these films is incredible. Is incredible. I know. And when you hear Bert talk about how he got the sounds, like, oh yeah, I went outside, I had a vacuum tube, and I put a microphone in, uh, and I and I recorded the freeway, and that's the sound of uh, you know Tie Fighters or wh- whatever it is. That's the wind sound. Yeah. You know? And this guy's a genius, and he did all, all the sounds for Wally and things like that. Okay. Uh, 
but this guy's literally a genius and uh the sound design is is, is it's amazing is amazing and out of this i was gonna say out of this world it, it really is but it's it's amazing <laughs> when you hear these things and you know it sounds so otherworldly mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, yeah, we got the sound of an 18-wheeler yeah, driving you, by. Yeah, right, you, know? you don't even think about, you, they sound so real, you don't even think about how they even got these sounds. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really. Yeah, electrical wires, that's the, that's the, uh, the lightsabers, you know, and things like that. And uh, he's, he's, to me, is, is really, you know, the Top hero of, oh, yeah. of, of the, the unsung hero of this. And yeah. his sound design is so melodic. Mm-hmm. And... He talked about how he was really proud of the lightsaber fight, he says, because there's no uh, music. And they made the conscious decision not to have music during the lightsaber fights because of the sound of the swords. And he says, so your you know, your goal is to get a musicality. And there is a musicality yeah, there to, is. to the sound design here. It's not just putting sounds up, mm-hmm. you know, willy nilly. And uh, he's he's brilliant. He's a brilliant he really guy. Is. And if you ever get a chance to hear him talk, uh, look up some interviews with him. And he, he really... He's amazing. Yeah, he knows. Yeah, he knows his stuff. He knows. He knows his stuff. So, uh, great film. Great film. Watch it. You should watch this at least once a year. <laughs> oh yeah. A good friend of mine, uh, a musician I play with, a huge Star Wars fan, uh, said, "If you don't like the Empire Strikes Back, there's something wrong with you." <laughs> and I get what he meant. It's a movie like Star Trek too. I think it transcends its its genre. Mm-hmm. And it's a movie. You know, it's a fantastic, fantastic movie. So good stuff so. all the way around. So, great villain. We have three down. We have the Kurgan, Khan, Nooney, and Singh. Now Darth Vader. We got one more coming up. Let, let, let next us week. Look. We what, got, what do we got? We got Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> as the Terminator. Yes. The movie that... It, I wouldn't say this made Arnold a movie star. Conan the Barbarian did that. But this is the one that really cemented him as, mm-hmm. as a star, as a, as a movie star. Uh, like, well, kind of like Fred... Fred Krueger and Darth Vader, uh, you know, 12 minutes screen time. He has more screen time than that. Mm -hmm. Six lines in this film. And boy, does he put him to good use. And I want to get into it next week with uh, why I think he was such a good choice to play the Terminator. And uh, it's pretty, he's pretty scary. I know. (laughs) He might be the scariest villain that we've, we've had this month. Like just (laughs) pure terror. I know. So I'm excited. A film from the great James Cameron and uh, really 1984 film that uh, I don't know. I think we might be moving more towards the Terminator every day. It's kind of scary with the AI. (laughs) But we'll get into it next week. We like to give you your quote unquote homework Mm -hmm. the the week before. So you can watch the Terminator and follow along with us at home. So we're going to get into that and uh, be sure to tune in for that and then get ready for Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee month and Happy to announce January is going to be versus month. We're going to give you the list of films. We're going to pit them against each other and see which film merges from the Thunderdome victorious. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we're still working out the particulars of Christopher Lee and uh, Peter Cushing, but we're going to have some fun with those two gentlemen as well. Faith, is there anything you would like to add before we sign off? I don't think so. Uh, No. Anything for you? Nope. Uh, late Night Fright Podcast at gmail.com. Late Night Fright on Instagram. And I'm a normal alien. There you go. We'd love to hear from you. It feels like it's that time, doesn't it? It does. It feels like it's it's time to go hook back up with the Rebel Fleet and uh, <laughs> be off on our next adventure, right? <laughs> yes. All right. Should we snap our fingers? I think we should snap <laughs> our fingers. On three. One, two, three. There it is. Time to go. 
Time to say goodbye. Time to say goodbye. Thank you all out there for joining us tonight. Thank you all for your continued support. We are so glad you chose to join us here in Cozy Corner. We know you have a lot of options as to how you spend your time. Thank you for being here with us. We sincerely, from the bottom of our hearts, hope that you are happy and healthy wherever mm-hmm. you are. And we hope that, uh, just remember, we're almost out of 2020. 2021 is right around the corner. And I got news for y'all. It's going to be fantastic. I think so. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> I got a feeling 2020 was just a disturbance in the force. Right. <laughs> Take us home, Faith. <laughs> May your coffin be cozy and your sarcophagus warm. May the light of the moon keep you safe from harm. Be you a vampire, spook, specter, or beast. Always remember, keep, keep your, your monster, monster on, on a leash. leash. May the force be with you. We will see you next time.